Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Evangelist Taylor Michael. Today I'm going to teach you four supernatural spiritual laws found in the Bible that will lead to uncommon success in your life. Did you know that God created you to be someone that carries uncommon success? For someone to go, for you to go from victory to victory, strength to strength, glory to glory, and faith to faith in your walk with the Lord. Never to be at the bottom, but to always be at the top in life. I want you to type in the chat with me this morning as you're jumping on. I'm always at the top in life. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up and share it with someone if you have not already. Let's get our viewage up. Let's get our shares up. Let's get our likes up. Let me know where you're watching from in the comments as well. I like to know the states, the countries. We got a ton of people on YouTube. We're actually significantly growing with our Facebook audience. We just passed 84,000 on Facebook. We started at zero about a month ago. We had another Facebook account, but it was uh, we weren't pushing it. Now we're really pushing Facebook. So we're seeing significant increase. And um, I just got back from the gym, so I'm not like suited and booted, but I'm sure he'll be all right. Going to the gym is one of the things that will actually change your life. It says in Proverbs chapter 1 that the Proverbs are to teach people how to live disciplined and successful lives. So having a disciplined life actually leads to your success. Having discipline in your life is the ladder to success. How you do one thing is how you'll do everything. If you can't commit to having a good diet, if you can't commit to going to the gym, if you can't commit to waking up on time, if you can't commit to being at meetings on time, if you can't commit to do what you say you're going to do, if you can't commit to do things the way God's word says to do, how you do one thing is how you'll end up doing everything. And it actually reflects on your life in many areas. Now we know that God weighs the heart, but the Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. Man judges levels of excellence. Your favor with man will greatly be determined by your discipline in life. Successful men are always disciplined. Successful women are always disciplined. They don't go from zero to seven figures in their business by sitting on the couch, flipping through Twitter, flipping through Instagram. No, they learn high income skills. They learn things that are valuable and bring value to a generation. So these four laws I'm about to teach you today are going to produce value in you to your generation. This will increase favor in your life. Somebody type in the chat, I'm choosing to increase in my favor today. So yesterday I covered the law of difference, the law of the mind, and the law of recognition. I'm reading out of this book called The Seven Laws You Must Honor in Order to Have Uncommon Success by Dr. Mike Murdoch. One of my favorite books, it's 60 pages, very quick read. You, you could sit down and read it in an hour. It's amazing. Today we're going to start with the law of two. The law of two. All of these laws will lead to uncommon success in your life. And good morning, everyone. Good morning, Pastor Eli, Griffin, Arvin, Tanya, Tyrell, Megan, everybody, all of our OGs. I'm sure Amber's in here. I saw John in here as well. Good morning, everybody. We're very thankful for all of you. This is what I want to get you. I heard a quote one time from the pastor of the largest church in the world, Pastor David Oyedepo. It's in his book called Exploits of Faith, and he talks about the prayer movement. Now, nothing against our like brothers and sisters uh, and IHOP and stuff like that, and people that are a part of prayer houses. Prayer is necessary. Even the Bible says, uh, make my house a house of prayer. But I read in his book one time, he said, a man with a plan and a strategy who just simply acts in faith, will outperform a prayer warrior, warrior any day of the week. So someone that just like sits in their closet and renders the heavens all the time but never takes action, they don't do anything. 
There's things you pray, but in order to pray something through, you've got to put action to your prayer. Somebody type that in the chat. I put actions to my prayers. I put action to my prayers. So when you pray, you've also got to put action to it. Listen to this, the law of two. Satan never showed up until Eve did. One cannot multiply. Adam could not multiply until Eve entered his life. Demons do not multiply or have a bloodline. Demons are not omnipresent. Some days you do not feel demonic activity, and another day you may sense demonic opposition. Demons are assigned geographically. Banks position their security guard where the treasure is. Remember the amazing story of Daniel in the lion's den. He had another remarkable experience. He prayed for 21 days, and at the end of 21 days, an angel appeared with the answer and said, The day you prayed, God dispatched me. I left his presence and have been on the way to you for 21 days. I was hindered by an attempted interception. I had to call for Michael, one of the archangels from another province, to assist me. The angel replied, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So I want you to get this here. Adam and Eve multiplied, not Adam. Hey, check that out. Adam and Eve multiplied, not just Adam. So he said, Satan didn't show up to deceive anybody until Eve was in the garden. Because Adam couldn't multiply until Eve showed up. There's something called the law of two. This is with your spouse. This could be with a business partner. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in their midst. Multiplication comes from unity. It comes from unity. And there's real demonic powers that work to resist you. People have to understand that. Now, we know that we've been seated far above in heavenly places, above every principality, every power, every might, every dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. We're seated far above. We have all authority over all the power of the enemy. But there are demonic forces against you waging war on you on a regular basis. You still have to engage in war. Although the spies... And the Jews had authority over the giants in the promised land. They still had to engage in battle. So just because demons are under your feet doesn't mean you don't have to engage in battle. Otherwise, we wouldn't have weapons of warfare. But we do. And the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So our weapons of warfare are mighty in God to conquer the devil, but we have to engage in spiritual warfare. Now, don't get me wrong. Spiritual warfare is not running around barefooted with a flag and ripping shofars. That is not spiritual warfare. People think if I smash a tambourine enough, then I'm like rendering the heavens and pulling down principalities. That's not how it works. You have to be the principality wherever you go. The weapons of your warfare are found in Ephesians 6, the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness, living a holy life, a righteous life in the eyes of God, putting on the helmet of salvation, being saved, being in covenant with God, having the shield of faith to blot out every fiery dart of the devil, and then having the sword of the spirit, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts between carnality and spirituality. You must learn how to use the word of God, how to use your faith, how to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace and the peace and the belt of truth. Using the weapons of your warfare in the spirit realm to possess the land. Land must be possessed. If it's not given to you by inheritance, it must be possessed by you.
So I live in Ruston, Louisiana. Unless my daddy owned Ruston, Louisiana and gave it to me, then it is my job to possess the land. Now the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, so God owns the land, but the devil is the God, little g, of this world. So any area that he's captured in Ruston, Louisiana, it's the job of my pastors, it's the job of me, it's the job of our church here, Faith Church in Ruston. It's our job to engage in spiritual warfare and possess the land. Somebody type in the chat, I'm possessing the land. So there's land, there's promises, there's things God has given to you that you must engage in warfare. You must rise up in faith. You must learn how to use the word of God to possess what God has put in front of you. And one of the key things is the law of two. The law of two. Now, I like how he says this. Get excited when you feel demonic activity around your life. Satan has just discovered the packages that have left the warehouses of heaven. They've been released or an in route to you. Your package is arriving soon. So demonic, remember with Daniel... He didn't experience intense demonic oppression or um, spiritual warfare until he began to pray. And God sent his prayer the moment that he prayed, he was heard. So there's a delay in the spirit realm if the devil's trying to intercept your answer. He's trying to intercept your prayer. He's trying to intercept your harvest. He's trying to intercept what God is getting to you in the spirit realm. So just know this, whenever you sense some spiritual warfare going on, don't get depressed, don't get all sad, don't, oh, why me, oh, me, oh, my. Don't. Rise up strong. I like how evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth says it. Get a clean look in your eye. Put your shoulders back. Puff up your chest a little bit at the devil. Remind him who the boss really is. Because when you start to experience those things, you must understand your package is on the way. The answer is on the way. The harvest is on the way. What you've been believing for is on the way. What you've been praying out is on the way. What you've been praying through is on the way. The things you have on that vision board, they're on the way. The seeds that you've put a demand on, you've put an assignment on, they're on the way. The harvest is on the way. Someone type in the chat, it's on the way. Don't let the devil intercept your package. Engage in warfare. Engage in warfare. He says this. He uses the law of two. When God wants to bless you, he brings a person into your life. Ruth was one conversation with Naomi away from her Boaz. David was one enemy away from the throne. You are only one giant from taking care of the sheep, one giant away from taking care of the sheep manure of life and being in control of the host of the whole palace. The law of two is about agreement. Again, I say to you from Matthew 18, 19, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. The law of two. Who has God put in your life to double you? To agree with you? To lift you up? To catapult you into new realms and new dimensions in the spirit? What supernatural relationship has God attached to your life to take you up and take you out and move you to the next level? Identify it. Celebrate it. Connect to it. Get that person to agree with you in faith. You're only one person away from the next chapter of your life. I want you to write that in your notes. I'm only one person away from the next chapter of my life. Here's the next law. The law of place. Place matters. God made places before he made people. When you receive a divine instruction, you are often sent to a specific place. I want you to get this. When you receive a divine instruction, you are often sent to a specific place. My pastor says it this way. Your grace is in your place. 
God's got an instruction for you. God's got an assignment for you. He's got an assigned opportunity, an assigned job, an assigned assignment. But he also has an assigned place for you. Your provision is in your place. Your grace is in your place. Your abundance is in your place. Everything you need from heaven is in your place. It happened in the life of Elijah. 1 Kings 17.9 Arise, get thee to Zarephath. It happened in the life of Jesus and the disciples. So in 1 Kings 17, remember there was a famine in the land. Even a drought in the land. No food, no water. And God said to Elijah, get up and go to Zarephath. He had him go sit by a brook where he drank from water during a time of famine. And it says, ravens came to bring him food. Historians figured out that during that time, I'm trying to remember the name of the king. I don't remember what king was sieging the city. But during the time of famine, there was they were under siege by a king. And that king kept ravens in his palace. So the ravens that brought food from to Elijah were actually from the king's palace. They were taking food from the king and bringing it to the man of God. What that means is it doesn't matter what it looks like around you. doesn't matter if there's famine in the land. doesn't matter if there's a drought in the land. doesn't matter what the natural circumstance looks like. God's got a thousand ways to get you every dollar you need, every breakthrough you need, every ounce of grace you need. God's got a million ways to get your harvest to you and to take care of all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Even if it means the ravens will bring it from the king's table. The law of place. It happened in the life of Jesus and the disciples. And he will show you a large upper room f- furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. Mark fourteen fifteen. It happened when the Holy Spirit birthed the early church. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. It was the secret of the healing of a Syrian general. It was the command of Jesus to a blind man. Places matter more than anyone ever dreams. Your provision is at that place. Money does not follow you. Money is waiting for you at the place of obedience. I want you to get this. That's right, John. King Ahab. Thank you, brother. Listen to this. Money does not follow you. When was the last time you looked? You turned around and money was like... When was the last time you turned around and an angel was behind you making it rain? Money doesn't follow you. Money is in your place of obedience waiting for you. Somebody type in the chat, money is waiting for me. Jesus asked, children, have you, eat, have you any meat? The disciples replied, we toiled all night and have caught nothing. He said, cast your nets on the other side. Cast your nets on the other side. The harvest was there. It was plentiful, so much so that it made Peter's boat overflow and his partner's boats overflow. But it was on the other side. The grace was in the place. The harvest was in the place. You've got to find your place of assignment. One of the first three questions I ask someone with a financial problem is, are you performing your best at your present place of assignment? Are you performing your best? Not mediocre. Are you performing your best at your present place of assignment? Your blessing is waiting for you at a place. God uses financial increase as an incentive for obedience. Everywhere you find God discussing money, he talks about obedience. Every time God talks about obedience, he talks about a place. God instructed Abraham, leave your kinfolks. God had arranged his future away from his comfort zone. The law of place. Everything you want is somewhere. It's in a place. Even Jesus recognized that he was not welcome in certain places. He left Nazareth and went to Capernaum. Jesus prepared his disciples for this. Go where you are celebrated instead of where you are tolerated. This is a big one. 
Type this in the comments today. Go where you are celebrated, not where you are tolerated. Now, I, want, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I don't mean don't go where there's persecution. Tolerance and persecution is different. Tolerance is offense. Tolerance is dishonor. Persecution is just straight up the devil. Where there's, perse where there's persecution, where there's pressing, where there's resistance, where there's stretching, that leads to increase. Persecution is not a bad thing. Jesus said, anyone who's given up houses, lands, family, money, anything in this life shall in this life and the life to come receive a hundredfold with persecution. The Lord spoke it to me this way one time when I was experiencing some extreme persecution. I bought someone a really nice pair of shoes for their birthday and the whole church was in upheaval about it. Wow, he's just spending ministry money on people's shoes. When actually it was my personal money, it had nothing to do with the ministry money. But if like anyone else, if, if her parents... If uh, her boyfriend or something, if anyone else would have gotten her some shoes, no one would have said anything. But because I got this person's shoes, they got all up in an upheaval about it. And I was like, Lord, what's going on here? Like, wh why are people, hey, Pastor Eli, there you go. He's already sowing some seed. Thanks for your seed, Pastor Eli. I want you to hear this. As I was sitting there saying, Lord, what's, what's wrong here? I don't get it. Like, what did I, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I blessed her with some shoes. Like, why are people getting their panties all up in a bunch? I was a little more um, professional than that. But <laughs> the, the Lord said to me, it means your hundredfold is on the way. It means your hundredfold is on the way. Because Jesus said, you will receive in this life a hundredfold with persecution. Anytime you're experiencing persecution, it means the hundredfold is on the way. Anytime you're pushing through, you're pressing through. Anytime you're experiencing a squeezing, it means the hundredfold is on the way. Someone type in the chat, the hundredfold is on the way. When you experience persecution, you just got to know the hundredfold is on the way. You laugh at persecution, huh? The hundredfold is on the way. Be thankful when persecution comes your way. So what I want to say is, that's where people get it mixed up. They're like, well, if you just go where you're celebrated and you never go where you're tolerated, then do, do you think Paul was always in places where he was celebrated? No, no, but Paul never stayed where he was only tolerated. Toleration is Mark chapter 6 when Jesus went to his hometown and they got offended because they said, is this not Jesus, Joseph's son? Did we not go to school with him and his sisters? He's just a carpenter's boy. Who is he claiming to be the Messiah? And it says they dishonored him. They tolerated him. They didn't kick him out because he was from the city, but they didn't, they didn't engage in his meetings. And it says he could only lay his hands on a few and see them recover. He could not do any mighty works there. So you don't go where you're tolerated, you go where you're celebrated. And wherever you'll experience persecution, you will experience celebration, I promise. There's not one time in the Bible that Paul went somewhere where he didn't where he experienced persecution, but he didn't also experience celebration. So even the cities where he experienced 39 lashings on his back, he was still celebrated in those cities. They still had major revival. Every city he was thrown out of, they still had revival, and there were still people celebrating him before he was thrown out. But he never stayed. I think it was in the school of Tyrannus, I believe, where he, he, he worked there for two years, and then eventually he just got fed up with religion. And he said, whatever, I'm moving on to the next place. Because they were just tolerating the doctrine. So the moment people dishonor you and they tolerate you instead of celebrate you, get out. Jesus said it this way, dust your feet from them. Dust your feet from them and leave. So you got to go where you're celebrated. All right, I want to move, move quickly with this. I'm going to move to the next one. Number six, the law of honor. Every sin on earth is a sin of dishonor. So this would be number three today, but this is number six of the seven laws from part one and part two. Every sin on earth is a sin of dishonor. 
Consider the Ten Commandments. The first four deal with honoring God, and the last six deal with honoring people. Honor is different from wisdom. Wisdom is the recognition of difference. Right and wrong, righteousness and evil, God and Satan. Honor is the willingness to reward someone for their difference. The law of honor is the most important law on earth. God is not an anointing, a miracle, nor an answer to prayer. Or honor is not an anointing, a miracle, nor an answer to prayer. It is your personal choice. Write this in the comments. I must choose to honor. Honor is a choice. To celebrate the distinctive difference in another. Honor is the seed for access into any environment on earth. Honor decides who desires you, accepts you, and rewards you. Honor grows in every environment, in every single season of your life. Honor is the willingness to magnify difference instead of weakness. Honor is a seed for access, and honor magnifies difference instead of weakness. The world will get you to focus on someone's weakness. The Holy Ghost will get you to honor someone's difference. Now, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like I mentioned before, running around barefoot with a flag and a shofar, although it might be fun for you, that's not, that's not someone's difference. That's like, that's like, that's different, you know. There's a difference between difference and like, they're a little different. But you honor the gift of God in somebody. You honor the gift of God in somebody. You honor their difference. Find out where they're different. My pastor, last night we, we had the honor of blessing him and honoring him for his birthday, which is tomorrow. And it's an honor just to honor my pastor because his, his difference. There's, there's not many pastors left like him in the U.S. or in the world. Where he's got an amazing anointing to sing and to be a psalmist but to also preach and flow in the Holy Ghost with laying on of hands, etc. But it's, like, it's so different. And it, that difference is needed in this generation. So you magnify the difference. You don't focus on the weakness. I remember one time there was a study done on the Chinese and how they're so good at ping pong. This is not a Chinese joke. Even though it started out sounding like one. <laughs> but they realized that every time the Chinese go to the, the Olympics, they win a ping pong. And so finally someone asked, they said, what is it that makes your athletes so good at ping pong? And one of the most renowned coaches of all time when it came to ping pong said, see, American coaches focus on their athletes' weaknesses and they try to work their weaknesses out. We focus on our athletes' strengths and we enhance their strengths until they're so strong they compensate for their weaknesses. So if someone had a weak backhand but they had a fire serve, they would get their serve so good that no one even had the ability to respond to the serve. They would just bam, 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 bam. Now, don't get me wrong. There's weaknesses. There's time for character correction. There's times for, for those things, for refining in the fire to be molded and submitting yourself, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. There's times to be molded. But you don't want to get obsessed with always correcting weaknesses. You want to get obsessed with enhancing strengths and differences. That's what will make you different. That's what will take you to the top in life. Do you think Jeff Bezos, I don't, I don't know much about his like personal life, but do you think he's an excellent folder of laundry? Do you think that Jeff Bezos being one of the best laundry folders in his family led him to being one of the richest men in the world? No. He's extremely knowledgeable in operations and online business. And he built Amazon. So don't focus on the areas that you're weak. Put most of your focus on areas that you're strong and get them real strong. 
Focus on your difference, not on your weakness. Honor is celebrating someone's difference instead of magnifying their weakness. Evaluate people by their code of honor. Who have they chosen to honor through their words, time, and friendship? Who have they chosen to dishonor, ignore, or trivialize? Whose voice have they chosen to trust? What is the character of those that they admire? Diligence in the workplace is a proof of honor. This, I want you to get this today. Diligence in the workplace is a proof of honor. I can look at how someone works for me and within five seconds I can tell you whether or not they honor me. That goes for anyone. For employees. Your boss can look at you. Your pastor can look at you. Your parents can look at you for five seconds and they can see how you work. And they can determine whether or not you truly honor them. Diligence in the workplace is proof of honor. Diligence is immediate attention to an instruction. Delayed obedience is the proof of dishonor. I want you to write this in the chat. Delayed obedience is the proof of dishonor. One of the easiest ways for me to tell when someone disrespects and dishonors me is when I give an instruction or I'm saying something that has that it carries importance and they don't listen or they don't act immediately on it. Disengage from people like that. If you surround yourself with people that dishonor you, your life will never increase. You will constantly stay where you're at. Honor is the bridge to any season you would like to enter. Honor is the seed for access. Oh, my precious friend, always choose the path of honor. Always. He says this, I've had some sad memories because I neglected to follow the law of honor. If you succeed with your life, you will be able to trace it to those you chose to honor. If you fail with your life, it can be traced to a person you chose to dishonor. If you fail with your life, it can be traced to a person that you chose to dishonor. You in your totality of where you are at in life is simply because who you've chosen to honor and who you've chosen to dishonor. And I want you to get this. This will help you. This will save you a lot of pain. Those who honor you qualify for a different relationship with you. A closer relationship. A gracious relationship. A growing relationship. A long-term relationship. Those who honor you qualify for a different relationship with you. I have people that send me messages on a pretty regular basis asking for help with growing their ministry online. I have a range of people that Approach me differently. And I can tell you within the first three words whether or not I will give my time to somebody based off how they send me a message. I'll give you an example. Some people will say, Evangelist Talon, I love the ministry. I love what you're doing. I see that you help people grow online. Can you help me out? They acknowledge me as someone that can provide true value. They honor me. Simply with the message, simply with the DM. I had a pastor the other day send me a message. It's not someone I like know personally. If we had a relationship, this wouldn't, this wouldn't bother me. But this is how he decided to greet me. He said, hey, bud. Actually, I don't even think he was a pastor. I think he was just some random dude. He said, hey, bud, looking for some help on YouTube. Can you help me out? Him saying, hey, bud, immediately made me know I will not be helping him out. And some people might think that sounds petty, but it's, it's, there's, a, there's an aroma of honor and there's a fragrance of dishonor or a, a, um, an odor of dishonor. So honor is a sweet aroma. Someone honors you. They, they understand, you're, hey, you're not just like mediocre. You're not some average Joe. You're somebody that has the capacity 
to take me to the next level in my life. But then there's an odor of dishonor. Never reward people. Actually, I think he has a good quote. Let me, let me read it to you. I'm going to read what he says about it. Here we go. Listen to this. Personality is persuasive and incredibly deceptive. But the willingness to respect the law of honor will prevent a thousand nights weeping from a broken heart. Celebrate the difference of those who carry the aroma of honor. Never reward people according to their needs. Respond to people proportionate to their honor. Jesus did not habitually go home with Pharisees to present them a seminar. He went home with Zacchaeus because of the law of honor. Get that in your spirit today. Capture that today. Do not reward people based on their personality or their persuasion. Reward people based on the law of honor. How do they address you? How do they talk to you? How do they honor those which you honor? How do they honor your pastor? How do they honor those that are responsible for being your covering? How do they honor their parents? Examine who they honor and make your decision to reward them based off of that. Someone type this in the chat. Honor is the bridge to my success. Honor is the bridge to my success. Honor will determine who you get connected to in life. Understand honor. I've had people... I've had people who honor me who I just like led into our program for full scholarship. There was, and I don't, I just had our first full scholarship that I actually gave away the other day because the Holy Ghost told me to. And a lot of people, they might not like the fact that I like charge for my coaching, but I mean, the amount of value that I give to people for the small price that I charge, it's mind boggling. The only reason I charge is because I mean, one, I'm pouring my life into it. I'm teaching people skills that I've acquired over the last four years that have led to great success in my life by the grace of God. But number two, if people don't invest, then they don't take it seriously. But the other day I was talking to a girl and the way she, like, the way she honored me over our Zoom call, where she wanted to learn about growing and preaching the gospel online, the way she honored me, the way she started her conversation with me, put me in a position of wanting to give favor to her. And about two minutes into our conversation, the Holy Spirit said, give her a full scholarship. And just so you know, my full program is normally $10,000. And the Holy Spirit said, give her a full scholarship. And so I said, hey, I'm just going to tell you straight up. The Holy Spirit told me to give you a full scholarship. And she broke down, almost hit the floor just started crying on the other side of the screen. And it had to do because of her honor. It opened access to me. It, it, I don't know how else to explain it. Like it tickles your spirit. And it made me open to listening to the voice of God and giving her a, a whole scholarship, giving it to her for free, letting her into the program. Honor, and it, her life will never be the same. I want you to, to get this. I've got a pastor in California who just hit 800,000 subscribers on YouTube today. He started less than 90 days ago with zero. His life will never be the same. He just passed 800,000 in less than three months. Passed 300,000 on Facebook. I think he's at like almost 100,000 on Instagram. His life will never be the same. Never be the same. That will open doors of opportunity for him for the rest of his life. So what I gave her was no small thing. Not only was it $10,000, but it was, it was a lifetime worth of value. Because of the law of honor. 
All right, here's the last one. And then I'm going to pray for you. Number seven, the law of the seed. A seed is a beginning. The Bible is a book about the law of the seed. Words are the seeds for feelings. Mercy is the seed for change. Honor is the seed for access. Gratitude is the seed for more. Whatever you are thankful for will increase in your life. Jesus was a seed. Think about this for a moment. God had a son, but he wanted a family. So he planted his son on Calvary to create his family, his eternal harvest. Prophets understood the law of the seed. Elijah looked at the widow of Zarephath and said, Bring me a little meal. She said, I have just enough for me and my son. Elijah did not say, Wrong house, I'm so sorry. Instead, he looked at her and began to paint the picture of her harvest on her mind. What you bring to me will be the seed. Throughout this famine, you will not lack. The Law of the Seed The Law of the Seed Jesus taught his disciples the law of the seed. Remember his conversation with Peter? Peter complained to Jesus, We have given up everything to follow you. Jesus could have reacted, Right, three catfish in a boat. <laughs> but he did not. Jesus looked at him and said, Anything you give up for me will be returned to you 100-fold. 100-fold. A minister friend said, Mike, I do not think Jesus really meant 100-fold. I humorously responded, When you get to heaven, you may host a conversation seminar for Jesus to teach him how to talk. Do you think he just got carried away in the moment, afraid Peter was going to quit the ministry, so he yelled, 100-fold! Not a chance. 100-fold. And I'll read you one more story, and then I'm going to pray for you, because this is going to bless people. Oh, there's so many good ones. I'll just, I'll share a personal testimony because that's too long. For the sake of time, I'll share a personal testimony. I remember when I first got a hold of the law of sowing and reaping. When I first began to understand that whatever you sow into the kingdom of God will come back multiplied to you. And Jesus said 30-fold. 60-fold or 100-fold with persecution. But regardless, many folds. January 1st, I took a $1,000 seed and I planted it into our church. And I said, Lord, I'm taking this $1,000 seed to prove to you that my heart is in your kingdom and I'm putting you first this year and I'm believing for a 100-fold harvest off of this $1,000 seed. And for this to be my greatest year financially, boom, I planted it into the church. Two weeks later, the Lord gave me a business idea when I was at all night prayer one night. That business idea in 60 days brought me $100,000 in harvest in return. A hundredfold in 60 days. And it's still producing because I took, I sowed off of it. I put, I put a $50,000 first fruits offering into our church. In 60 days, that $1,000 seed multiplied to a hundredfold, $100,000. And cash collected, harvest. Within 60 days, the law of the seed. Galatians 6 says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, a man will also reap. Someone type this in the chat. God is not mocked. Sowing and reaping is very real. The law of sowing and reaping is very real. I've experienced it firsthand. There was a woman believing God for a, a promotion at her job one time. And she sent $1,000. Amen. Thanks, Mark Hooper in Johannesburg, South Africa. God bless you in Africa. There was a woman believing God for a promotion at her job. She sent me $1,000. She said, will you pray the prayer of agreement with me? 
I need my boss to give me a raise so I can get a new house and a new car. I said, absolutely. I prayed the prayer of agreement with her. Three days later, I got a message on Instagram. Talon, 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 you're not going to believe this. And I look at the DMs and she said, my boss just called me. He said, we've decided unanimously to give you a $10,000 raise. And this won't be your only raise. We're going to give you a raise every year that you work here. Boom. That $1,000 seed turned into a $10,000 harvest in three days. And it will continue to produce for her for the rest of her life as long as she works there. The seed you have in your hand, the seed you have in your bank account, the seed you have in your wallet, what you have right now, if it's not big enough to meet your need, it's meant there to blow the need out of the water because it's a seed. It's meant to be planted into the kingdom of God to produce your harvest that will crush your need. If it's not big enough to meet your need, it's a seed. These are the four laws that you must honor in order to have uncommon success in life. Uncommon success. The law of two. The law of place. The law of honor. And the law of the seed. Well, I believe people got something from this today. I'm going to pray for you. But before I do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to act on your faith today, to sow seed. I want to give you an opportunity today to sow some seed. As you know, we have 2,000 kids that we're currently providing meals for each and every single month in third world nations all over the world. We have about a dozen other ministries that we partner with financially on a regular basis. We're also reaching hundreds of millions of people each and every single month, and we're raising up a thousand online evangelists to reach this generation with the gospel, to bring revival to the internet. So this is good soil for your seed. I'm going to join my faith and pray with you, just like I did with that woman that sowed a thousand dollars. And got her $10,000 um, bonus, promotion, raise. I'm going to give you an opportunity here to sow, and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to join my faith with you. And your harvests are going to come in rapidly in Jesus' name. The different ways that you can give are on your screen. Cash app is dollar sign revival way. Venmo is at Revival Way. PayPal is at Revival Way, or you can give it RevivalWay.com. There's going to be a link in the chat right now. You can also give through Super Chat, like our good friend Pastor Eli did earlier. And I believe God is going to send at least 100 people this year to sow a $1,000 seed or more. At least 100 people that will sow a four-figure offering or more. And I believe God is going to send at least 10 people that will sow a 10 or a five-figure offering or more. At least 10 people that will sow a five-figure offering or more. We sow four-figure offerings regularly. I remember when a four-figure offering was like my whole month of expenses. Now it's I very rarely go to a meeting where I don't sow a four-figure offering. Amen, Griffin. And not only do we sow four-figure offerings, we've now been able to sow multiple five-figure offerings by the grace of God. So therefore, we reap four-figure offerings and we receive five-figure offerings. So I'm going to give you a moment to sow some seed and I'm going to pray, for, pray with you and pray for you. Thank you, Tanya, for your giving on Venmo. Tanya's always very generous. I encourage you today. Maybe you, you're someone who sows regularly, but you've never really stretched. Maybe you're someone that sows like, I don't know, there, there was a while where I remember I sowed to a certain ministry $50 a week. 
and I was seeing great returns from it, but I never increased it. And then one day I felt to increase it and I increased it from $50 a week to 250. And I began to, to increase it and increase it. Now I give that ministry, well, I won't even go into it, but much more than $50 a week. It's important to stretch your giving beyond your comfort zone. Remember, the qualification for reaping a harvest that leads to shouts of joy is to sow a seed that leads to tears. Because the Bible says those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. When you sow a seed, make sure you feel it when you give it. And watch what God will do for you. Make sure you give as the Spirit leads you. Nothing more, nothing less. But I do know the Holy Ghost is generous. And He will always lead people to sow generously in order to reap generously. So I'm going to pray with you and for you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, every person under the sound of my voice that's giving, I join my faith now and I touch an agreement. Let whatever they're believing for be done unto them. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Angels, ministering spirits, go and cause the word to work and cause every harvest to come now. In Jesus' name. And Satan, take your hands off of every harvest. We believe we receive those things which we say, and we say our harvest is on the way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this has been awesome. I enjoyed teaching you guys these seven laws. Uh, I'm telling you, these laws changed my life. They will drastically change your life as well. Make sure you give this video a thumbs up. You share it with someone if you have not already. And if you know that you are called to preach the gospel, I want to show you one of the best Bible schools in the nation. And I highly encourage you to go and attend. Uh, you will not regret it. And we'll see you tomorrow morning at 1130 a.m. sharp. Adios. Jonathan Shuttlesworth with you in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you feel called into the ministry, we just launched Revival Today Bible Institute. Had our first in incoming class and we're about to do another intake. It's $2,000 for the entire year. We're gonna train them up in what they need to know in the Bible, what they need to know legally, what they need to know in the realm of economics to make impact in the ministry. If that's you, the information is on the screen right now. I'd like to hear from you. Don't put it off. I'm Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and I'm waiting for your call.